Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. I'm Lucy and I've been at Vineyard 61 since 2019, so um, a good few years and I'm on staff here and um, on the leadership team here. And before I came to this church, I used to go to a church called St. Paul's in Brixton. Oh, here they are. (laughs) There they are, great. Um, So this is a church that I used to go to, and um, it was a church that was full of song and chorus, and um, often very spontaneously people would just stand up and just start declaring um, God's nature and his character just in um, the form of a chorus or song. Now, one of the members, Auntie Levat, she often used to lead us in intercessions, and she would always sit at the back, exactly the same seat every week. And um, the lead, service leader would call her up and she would come from the back, sort of, and she was partially sighted, so she couldn't see very well. And she would shuffle along the row and then very gingerly walk to the front and then get up in the pulpit and um, give us, um, well, then um, lead us in prayers. And um, it took her a time to get from her seat to the pulpit. So in this interlude, she used to um, fill it by singing choruses and songs which we would all join in and one of them was um it was i have a very big god oh he's always by my side the very big god oh by my side by my side so she would come up and we would just all join in some of you know that that's great (laughs) and then sometimes she would um lead us in a call and answer so she would say God is good, we would respond all the time, and she would say all the time, God is good, all the time, brilliant. (laughs) Um, And I used to just love those moments of declaring God's goodness and his faithfulness, but at times they did jar my soul. I just remember coming to church um, shortly after my best friend Gemma had died very suddenly, leaving her little seven-year-old son, a sweet, sweet boy, um, leaving him without a mum. And I remember walking into church, and it was a few months after my mum had also died very suddenly. So I was in like a deep place of just grief and mourning. And Auntie Levette was doing intercessions, and she would come up and she was saying, God is good. And I was just like, is he good all the time? I really was like wondering that. God, are you by my side when you seem so silent? It was so hard just to declare the all the time there. And it's in moments like that, which I'm sure we've all been in, that we need reminders in the Bible of God's faithfulness and the true nature of who God is, don't we? And when the hope of redemption seems dim, we need to be reminded of who God is, of his character. 
And the book of Ruth, which we're spending a few weeks looking at, is such a, just a beautiful reminder of this. Ruth is a poor, widowed foreigner, and she becomes the ancestor of King David, who establishes the royal lineage leading through to Jesus Christ. Ruth is a story of only what God can do, and Ruth is a story of God's faithfulness. So today we're in chapter 2, Polly took us through chapter 1 last week, and now, as we know from what Holly said, but I'll just remind you, the book of Ruth is set during a dark period in Israel's history. It's known as the period of the judges. And during that time, there was no king, and everyone did what they thought was right. And it feels similar to our current time in history. And what we heard was that Elimelech moved with his wife Naomi and sons to from Beth Bethlehem in Israel to a neighbouring pagan country called Moab, Moab to ex- escape famine. And in Moab, things didn't turn out well. First, Naomi's husband Elimelech dies, then their sons, who by this time had married Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah, the sons also die. So Naomi was left without a husband, without sons, and it was such a desperate position to be in in those patriarchal times. One blow after another caused Naomi in chapter 1 to say, The hand of God has gone forth against me. The Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. In fact, she was so oppressed and bitter towards God that she couldn't see any signs of hope as they started to appear in chapter 1. And what God starts to show Naomi, and through her, what he shows us, is that behind bitter, hard, painful circumstances is the sweetness and the goodness of a saviour who is plotting for her glory to work all good, all things together for good. So we ended chapter one with Naomi making her way back to Bethlehem with her faithful Moabite daughter-in-law, Ruth, who willingly left her, ha- her homeland to be with Naomi. And we're about to enter into chapter two. And at Life Street this week, I said if anyone would be up for reading um, chapter two today, and then a discussion followed about us acting out this chapter. And Bill was going to play Boaz with a Brummie accent. Doris, I think, was going to be um, Ruth um, with her Malaysian accent. And then I think... Rosie, you were going to be a Scottish Naomi. Thankfully, Doris volunteered to read the whole chapter, so my favourite debut performance of this is going to have to be put on hold. So I'm going to invite Doris to come up. And as Doris reads, let's just notice the sweetness of God in this chapter. So, Ruth chapter 2, Ruth meets Boaz. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Alimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of the grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz who was of the clan of the Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem 
And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came, who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gathered among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my, to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and bring what the young men have drawn. Then she said, then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, What have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward will be given by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at meantime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsels in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in a field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today, and what have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I've worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to you, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women. Least in another view you'll be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, leaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Thanks, Doris.
Did you notice the sweetness of God in what Doris read? The bitterness that we saw in chapter 1 begins to be counteracted by the sweetness of chapter 2. Through what first appears a random set of events, we see three truths about the sweetness of God. We see the sweet providence of God, the sweet protection of God, and the sweet provision of God. So I'm going to step us through each of those. So firstly, the sweet providence of God. You may be asking what God's providence is. Um, God's providence is the working of his power to uphold, guide, and care for his creation. Simply put, God is aware of what's happening in everyone's lives. He is invested in how things go for us. By his spirit, he is able to move us, clarify things for us, motivate us to make decisions and all sorts of things like career and family. And somehow this all comes together to serve God's larger plans. God is continually working in our lives, whether we can see it or not. And the events of Ruth 2 are proof of his providence. Let's look at this. So Ruth and Naomi, they came from Moab to Naomi's old home of Bethlehem. Ruth is a Moabite, as we're constantly reminded about in this book. And it's a really important detail to remember because it just helps us understand her position. Ruth is an outsider in the Israelite community and doesn't belong in Bethlehem. Moabites were despised. Naomi has a lot going against her, but Ruth has even more. However, despite their challenges, they both believe in the God of Israel. And these women come back to Bethlehem because they heard that the famine was over and they were hungry. In verse 2, Ruth has an idea to go and find food and says to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after, in, after, him, in, in, after him in whose sight I shall find favour. So it's harvest time in chapter 2. And you may be having that picture in your mind of, and I did it pastoral scene with Ruth sort of skipping in the fields and kind of just throwing kind of sheaves of um, wheat into her basket. But this wouldn't have been Ruth's perception at all. When she says, let me go to the fields and glean, what she's really saying is, let me go to the fields and scavenge, hoping that she would just find a few ears of grain that the harvesters had inadvertently left behind. Gleaning was really hard work, and there was very little reward for your efforts. But Ruth and Naomi, they were desperately hungry. But we start seeing God's providence here. His care is evident for Ruth and Naomi. And you'll see um, in this slide, in Israel, God's law in Leviticus 19 ensured that landowners didn't reap their fields right to the edges. And therefore, that allowed the poor to glean from the fields, from the edges, ensuring their provision. You see, God cares about people like Naomi and Ruth and created laws to care for them. But you may say to me, but you just told me that we're in the days of the judges when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So not everyone was following God's law. Israel was a dangerous place to glean, especially for a lone Moabite woman, harm could really come to her. And this desperate situation was evident 
as her mother-in-law allowed her to go and glean, because there was just no other choice. But Ruth takes a step of faith, knowing Israel is God's land, and she really hoped that she would find a godly man running the field so she could glean. And we start to see more of God's providence. In verse um, 3, the author says, So she set out and went and gleaned in a field after the reapers, and she happened to come across the part of the field belonging to Boaz. I've highlighted it there, that she happened to come. Notice the happened to come. Ruth happened to come, the part of the field belonging to Boaz. And in fact, the original text says she happened to happen to come. You kind of get the hint. Ruth could have ended up in any field, dangerous and unwelcoming. But by God's providence, she arrived at Boaz's field. Here, a widow foreigner found herself in the field of someone who understood God's law and welcomed gleaners. Ruth's path was guided by God's providence, his care, and even in the silence. And it reminds me of that proverb, a man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Here is the sweetness of God. God is working behind the scenes to bring about his purpose. He is working things out for good, even in a silence. And there's more of God's providence over these verses. Another example is that Ruth not only came to a field that accepted her to glean, but it was a field owned by a certain man. And verse 1 introduces us to Boaz, who is a relative of Naomi's. We find out in later chapters that this means he is one of their redeemers. And for now, it's enough to know that this term redeemer means Boaz can help Ruth and Naomi out of their desperate situation. And this is even more remarkable because when Ruth told Naomi she was going to glean, Naomi just offered no direction. And if God is not in this, then how did Ruth get to this part of the field under the care of this man, Boaz? It's God's sweet providence here. And then Boaz's introduction in verse 1, he's called a worthy man, a man of standing. Boaz isn't just a nice guy. He's a God-loving, spirit-empowered, redeemer-producing, kind-hearted man of standing. And in case we missed it, let's just look at how verse 4 begins. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And the author says, and behold, as if to say, would you look at that? It's kind of like a pantomime. It's like, da-da! And behold, Boaz happens to leave the city of Bethlehem to come to this field at the exact time that Ruth is there gleaning, which means he would hear about her, and it means that she, um, he would meet her. Except, of course, we know this isn't luck. There is someone at work bringing all this about. The author wants us to see the providence of God at work here again. And then Boaz did something amazing. He noticed Ruth and unnoticeable. And he was impressed with her. The servant in charge of the reapers told Boaz about her saying she humbly asked to glean. He worked hard all day without rest. And Boaz took notice. Ruth hoped that she would find someone kind enough to let her glean. And in God's sweet providence, she came to Boaz's field. She found Boaz, the man who would redeem Naomi's house. 
And now we've seen the sweet providence of God. Let's look at the sweet protection of God. Not only did God providently lead Ruth to a field, but he also led led her to a kind protector in Boaz. Boaz gives protection to Ruth. In verse 8, he tells her not to leave his field for another. He gives her the right to stay close to his young women. Boaz knew these fields weren't a safe place to be. He gave her permission to go after her servants who are reaping, getting the best of what's left over. And Boaz was even more proactive. He charged the young men not to touch her and not to rebuke her. So because of Boaz, Ruth was safe and she was protected. The sweet providence of God is taking the form of the sweet protection he offers through Boaz. And Ruth responds to Boaz's kindness with this humble amazement. He falls down on her feet, on her face, and bowing to the ground in astonishment. Ruth had left her homeland with Naomi, just not expecting a better life. And when Boaz notices her, when he cares for her and invites her into his circle, she is totally overwhelmed. And Boaz explains his actions, stating that he heard of her dedication to her mother-in-law by leaving her family and her homeland to care for Naomi. He recognises Ruth's steadfast love and her loyal sacrifice and her unwillingness to let Naomi go alone. But there was something else that we see that Boaz was impressed with. More than all the rest, it was Ruth's faith that impressed Boaz. And she sought refuge under God's wing, despite her circumstance. And we read in verse 12, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. Boaz can see that Ruth has taken refuge under God's wing. And this is a really common teaching in the Old Testament. In Psalm 57, it says, Have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And notice that phrase, for in you. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. Why should God show mercy? Why should God show mercy, compassion to Ruth? It's because she has sought refuge under his wing. She has counted God's protection better than all other protection, even that of her family in Moab. Ruth trusted that God would never let her down, so she stepped under his wing and found hope and joy in him. And I just feel that that kind of points the way for all of us. When life's really hard, when life's you know, painful. I feel that God's wing can shield us. It offers our souls a haven, a shelter in the storm. And like the only requirement for us for that sweet protection is to step in under his wing, that willingness to get under them. Hiding in the wings, um, under the wing of God might seem a dark place to be, but there really is no brighter place to be. And Jesus compares himself to a hen gathering her brood under her wings. Like you can trust him. And I know that when I was going through that super tough time in 2017, that's what I found, just the refuge under his wing, 
was just such a sweet and beautiful place to be. And then finally, we're just going to look at the sweet provision of God. Towards the end of the chapter, we see Ruth the Moabite, who has left her homeland with an empty stomach, now finds fullness she could never imagine. We see the sweet provision of God as we go through the end of the chapter. Boaz generously invites her to eat with him and his workers and provides her with an abundance of food. And she sits beside the reapers, not behind them, but beside them. He elevates her and invites her into his inner circle. It's a massive invitation for Ruth. And not only that, when she, in verse 16, when she rose up from the table to glean, Boaz instructed his young men just to toss bundles for her to glean. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, normally she would be having to gather up around the edges, but he's instructed his men just to throw bundles. And like, oops, I've accidentally dropped that one. For her, this is like proper VIP treatment. And we see even more of God's provision. She gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat up what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And that sentence can just pass us by, but an ephah is about 13 kilograms. It's heavy. It's a lot. And I just think we're supposed to picture that she can hardly carry that home back to the city of Bethlehem. She's managed to gather all that in one day. But the point is clear. It's just showing that Boaz is such an exceedingly generous man. It's so completely over the top. And if we're still thinking about that law in Leviticus, we could say that Boaz hasn't just kept the law, but he's done more than that. He's kept the spirit of the law. Boaz has provided abundantly for Ruth and Naomi, and it's God's sweet provision that we see through Boaz. And I guess this is a vision that we can, of the kind of fullness that God offers all who come to him. The one who quenches our thirst, the one who gives us food until we're satisfied, and the one who is a redeemer for all humankind. And as I come into land, like verse 23, leads us to realize that today's events were not a one-off. God's sweet provision continued for the wheat and the barley harvest. And I think it's easy for us to read that last line and say, it's like Ruth lived with her mother-in-law and they just lived happily ever after. However, like harvest come to an end. And Ruth and Naomi, even though they've got like grain in reserve, they were still two widows. Life was still incredibly uncertain for them. They were still in a precarious position without a kingsman redeemer. And this doesn't undo what I've just spoken about. God's wonderful and sweet protection and his provision for his people. But what it reminds you of, of what it reminds me of, is that we just need to recognize his continual provision for us in our daily lives. You see, God is always doing thousands of things in our lives that we might not see. But he's always working things out for good. And it was true for Naomi, as it is true for like you and me. And we rejoice in this, that he's always working things out for good in our lives. And Naomi now rejoices in this. 
in verse 20, she says, And they only said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. This once bitter lady that we read about in chapter 1 now declares that the Lord in his kindness has not forsaken her. Naomi was now confident that the hope that there's hope despite their ongoing circumstances. She now has hope in the uncertainty. She now confidently knows that God is faithful and God is good all the time. Working things out for good even when she cannot see it. So ask Rachel to come up. And I was praying how to like transition of what I've spoken about into worship. And we're going to sing um, God's Goodness. I just feel it's a song that God would sing at the end of chapter 2 if she was here today. And as I said at the beginning, it can sometimes be quite jarring declaring God's goodness. And that he's good all the time when we're going through those hard times. And if you're in that place, I just want to say that God understands. Like he understood me. And I just want to encourage you in that place, not to turn away from God, but just seek that refuge under his wing. And as we sing, just let us, those of us, um, if you're not able to sing it, just let us sing over you. Um, And if you're able to sing it, maybe just sing it as a prophecy of what will happen in the future. Because um, like Naomi, things will, God does turn all things to good. And we can um, declare God's goodness in the days to come. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.